For those of you not aware, real life church has had, oh look, a bit of communion bread still left up here. There you go. Anyone not get any communion? Want some right now? That's yours, Josh. Take that with you. There you go. Real Life Church has had a partnership with Compassion for 11 years now. And there are um, two projects in Madan, Indonesia that we have partnered with for these years. And many of you have been. Who's ever been and visited the projects? Give us a wave if you have. There's a few hands across the place. And um, it's a great partnership that Real Life Church has got and will continue to have. And so it's a great honour today to be able to have a team from Compassion with us. As I said before, we've got Bruce and Sophie who are based at the Newcastle Compassion office. And then we have Christine from Rwanda who's with us today. Let's welcome them as they're here. We're going to hear some of Christine's story in a little while, but first of all, I'm going to, Bruce is going to come up and we're going to hand over um, just the rest of the morning to them to talk to us about compassion, but then also we're going to hear from Christine and some of her story. So let's give Bruce a hand as he comes on up. Well, good morning, church. Thank you for having us in beautiful, warm Maitland this morning. It's, it's just getting hotter down the front here. I don't know if you, what it's like up the back, at the back of the church, but down the front, we're toasty warm. So thank you, and thank you for uh, such a, not just a warm environment, but such a warm welcome this morning. Uh, as we walked in the door this morning, so many people said to us, it's great to have you here. Thank you for coming. Um, that's what church should be about, hey? Yeah, a, a, an open and welcoming place. Um, and, and we want to thank you for uh, just the, the, the welcome as brothers and sisters in Christ, as part of God's big family. Uh, so, so thank you for that. Look, I, I think we have a great morning <laughs> this morning. Um, it's already been wonderful to worship our God together. Uh, but we're going to hear this morning of God's big work in the world. His transformational work, the way he changes lives. We're going to hear about a hope that's more powerful than the trap of poverty and the impact of poverty, which, which restricts and traps and, and robs people of hope. But there's actually a hope that's more powerful than that. There's a hope that's more powerful than the brokenness in this world, and that is a hope in Jesus Christ. We're going to hear about that this morning. We're going to hear from Christine in a few minutes' time. And she's going to share with you her journey and the way that God has impacted her life and transformed her life. And then I'm going to come back and uh, we're, we're going to think into that a little bit more, open up the scriptures together and, uh, and just remind ourselves of, of the goodness of God. So we're going to hear Christine's story. Uh, she's going to tell it on a video and then Christine's going to come up and speak to us. Hello everyone, my name is Christine Oase, I'm from Rwanda, and this is my story. In 1994, Rwanda was torn apart by the genocide. Decades of mutual resentment between the Hutu and Tutsi tribes exploded. It's been said the fastest genocide that has ever happened in the world, and killing the biggest number of people in a short period of time. Over 100 days in April of 1994, about 1 million people were murdered. Two of those people were my parents and many members of my family. 
My mother and I hide for two weeks to escape the rebels. When they found us, my mother was running, trying to escape. She let me go free. Then she ran as the rebels chased her. She was then shot in the head. This is the house where I used to live with my parents. I have many good memories of this place. After the genocide, life became difficult. I was raised by my auntie and my grandparents. When I was five years old, I was sponsored by Compassion. They helped me get an education. She sees hope where there was hopelessness. She sees light at the end of the tunnel where there was darkness. She sees a bright future. Perhaps because of what happened in the country, because of poor leaders, she thinks she can do a great change in her country and in the world by being a model leader. My life would be a lot different if I did not have compassion. I have grown in Christ. I hope I'll continue in the footsteps of other great leaders who have gone before me. Problems don't just have to hold you back. You use them as stepping stones to create the future. For me, through compassion and the grace of God, I've been released from poverty. Good morning, church. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to be worship uh, together as well and uh, touring or enjoying the goodness of Jesus Christ that we have got in our lives and who has set us free, free from poverty and who has healed us from inside out. So I'm here to tell you a different story a story that uh, has helped me to meet Jesus and who has totally changed my life. Uh, my name is Christine Oase, I'm from Rwanda. Uh, I'm here to tell you my story, but uh, that's one of the other hundred children back home and there are two million children sponsored by Compassion Worldwide. My name is Christine Oase. I come from Rwanda, as I said, and uh, many of you don't know about Rwanda. Uh, Rwanda is a small, land-rocked country situated in the heart of African continent, and uh, we are lucky to be among few countries in Africa where you could find silverback gorillas. But when you come to Rwanda, you will admire God's sense of art. When you see our country's number, of hills after which Rwanda was named the Rand of Thousand Hills. So you are almost welcome to the Rand of Thousand Hills. Uh, although Rwanda has so many beautiful things to be told about, 
unfortunately, uh, the world knows as majorly for the 1994 genocide against Tutsi uh, that claimed over one million lives in 100 days. People were killed, uh, people were tortured, people were thrown into the rivers, uh, mothers were forced to give birth before time, uh, people were killed in uh, different ways. Uh, people were, would just eat one another. So I can't explain how the devil struck my country because we would just spend days and days uh, here. But today, uh, as uh, the Bible says, that I know the plan I have for you, the plan to give you hope and future. That's the one that kept me and my siblings to survive the 1994 genocide against Tutsi because God had the plans for us to keep us alive. Uh, we survived, I, my four siblings, and we found ourselves right after the genocide, being raised with our single auntie uh, in a slum called Jimichanga back home. Uh, we, life was not easy. And when I say about life was not easy, it's not easier to explain or uh, to give you a picture how life looked like by that time. We found ourselves uh, being raised uh, in that slum where we were surrounded by drunkards, surrounded by prostitutes. We didn't have safe water, we didn't have electricity, and we found ourselves in that three-bedroom house uh, in that community. And uh, it was not easy for my auntie as well to raise more than nine orphans from her relatives in that situation. So it was not easy for her uh, to take over the responsibilities of her relatives. And also uh, for her as well, she didn't have chance to go to school. Uh, due to our historical background, uh, people, they didn't have equal access to services. So she also, she was denied to education. So seeing yourself being passed through those uh, historical backgrounds and find yourself just right after the genocide to take over the responsibilities. It was not easy at all. And we didn't, the hope for the next day, it was not easy. So when I talk about this, uh, it's not easy to explain uh, because uh, for you or whatever I've been here, it's a totally different world. Uh, but I'm also here to let you know or to let you appreciate what God has given you and what you, are, you have been given in life as well. Today, I'm here to glorify God's name who have, uh, who have worked in my life, who have worked in my family life, and we are not the same people that we used to be. Uh, we came to hear about compassion. By the time we were in that, uh, in that confusion, hopelessness, uh, thinking maybe I will be the next person to be a prostitute or to be a drunker, because that was the community that I grew up from. So that was the, that was the hope that we have. That was the things that we could expect day to day. That's the things that we come after. But God was not yet done with us. We came to hear about compassion uh, when I was five years old. And we were, my background was in a Catholic church, so we wouldn't be able 
uh, to hear about compulsion because uh, it works with uh, ch local churches back home. Uh, but we came to hear about compassion from my uh, my auntie's friend in our community. She went to a church, uh, to a Presbyterian church back home, and she had uh, the project registering children in the pro um, at church. So the next day she came to my auntie. She told her, I think I've got somewhere that will help you to raise these children. That's how my auntie, we came to hear about compassion. The next day she took us for me, my sister, and my cousins that we grew up together. We went to compassion project at church, but what they could do, they would just take one child from a family. They took me, and I remember uh, the thing, oh, I already called Janet. Uh, she was a project facilitator at church. She told me, Christine, this is home. Welcome home. So she smiled uh, for me, at me and telling me that this is the way you will be coming, you'll be meeting other children, uh, you will be praying with other children. So that's how I started to see life in a different way. I remember the next thing that she, she, she did, she would just, she told me like, uh, you have to stand here, and then she took me a picture. She took my picture, and she told me, when you get a sponsor, we will let you know. But uh, meanwhile, it took one year for me to get a sponsor, but I would just go to the project, get involved in church activities as a child, Sunday schools as well, but I didn't know uh, the meaning of uh, being involved in church. I would just think that's how it is. But uh, thank God that um, when I was 14 years old, that's when I came to know the real meaning of uh, salvation. That's not uh, being part of church activities. It's not being part of groups, but it all goes to your personal commitment and accepting Jesus as your personal savior. That's when I came to commit myself. And now, since then, I've never backslided. I'm here to glorify God's name. And my family as well, they came to know Christ. Uh, we used to go to the project um, because during the weekend, as children, we would just go and pray with other children. Uh, but also monthly, um, our caregivers or our, uh, the parents, they will come to the project and get uh, the basic needs that we were supposed to get. That was including food, hygiene kits, so that we could just take back home. So everything that I used to get from the project, we shared with my family, my siblings as well. Um, now, um, uh, I'm singing or I'm telling a different story. Uh, Michael in Bragg, that was the child who took my picture. Uh, my, my sponsors were from America, but when they sponsored me, they were in Costa Rica. They were missions in Costa Rica. So Michael, uh, he was the one child that they have by that time. And then he said, I don't have a sister. So she picked my picture saying, this, she will be my sister. So that's how my life changed. That's how I came to be uh, part of my sponsored family. Today, they don't know what I'm doing, 
but I'm now giving back to my community. Later on, I came, I, ha I had a chance to go to, uh, because when you graduated from secondary, you will just uh, quit the program. But uh, when I graduated from the secondary, we had a chance, uh, a new program called Leadership Development Program uh, of, uh, from Compassion, just to sponsor children going to university. I had a chance to be part of a Leadership Development Program, and I went to university. It's been now six years that I've graduated from university, and I did political science, uh, majored in international relations, and now um, I remember this was the program which has changed my life, which has built my character as well, uh, because apart from taking the course that we were taking at, in school, we would just be part of uh, servanthood leadership, um, mentorship, uh, discipleship, uh, evangelism, and stewardship. Those are some of the curriculums that we got from the LDP or leadership training. And today I'm now working with Save the Children International back home uh, in a refugee camp because for now Burundi is in a crisis. So we are now serving um, more than 50,000 in the refugee camp. I'm now a person who is crying, but I'm now giving back to other children who are passing through the hardship that have been used, uh, I've passed through. So I'm now able to give hope to other children that life holds uh, the best for them. And uh, I remember uh, the way before I came here, uh, my sister, uh, the one, she was not a direct sponsored child from, from Compassion, but she told me I wish I was the one to go and speak more how I benefited from the project, even if she was not part of uh, the program. Uh, she's now uh, back home as well, but she was uh, selected among young entrepreneurs back home. She got a chance to go to the US, uh, did business training, and now she's back home. She owns a very big shop for clothing, and she now goes to Europe, Dubai, China, just for to get up things to sell home. This is the person that who benefited from my upkeep that I used to get from the university, from Compassion Project, that I contributed to her school fees, but now she's able to give other, the community back to the community and employing other, other girls who didn't have a chance to go to school. So I'm just here to glorify God's name and to say also thank you uh, for what you are doing and to let you know that what you're doing, it goes beyond a sponsored child. It goes to a child, it goes to a family, it goes to the community as well. Uh, because for my culture, when you have something to eat, uh, when your neighbor is in hungry, you share. So my community as well, they used to come and we share what I got from the project. And it was also, um, a hard time for my country when my sponsors got me. Uh, it was a hard time for my country where people were starving, where people were dying of hunger. But today, uh, Rwanda is among the best country in the world, growing economically, and um, there have been some changes in my country. And today, my sponsors, or on behalf of them, I can say they have contributed to the development of my country 
because I'm now not a burden, but I'm now giving back as well. So I'm just here to thank you and to let you know that when you sponsor a child, you are saving generations that come after those children. Because for now, my generations will never face poverty, but they will be, they have been delivered from poverty. And um, it's also the way of reviewing uh, children's potential who are in the developing countries as well. So may God bless you richly, and may he protect all of us under his arm of salvation. And may you also uh, be encouraged to sponsor a child as well, because there are other children who are passing through the hardship that I used to pass through, but they also need a helping hand as well. Thank you. It's an inspiring story, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And, and what is most wonderful in, in this whole journey that Christine has been on, um, and you would have heard it from her, is that she just keeps bringing glory and honour back to God. It's not about Christine. It's about God's work in Christine's life. That's, that's the key. Um, now, I'm going to two quick things. Um, firstly, Christine... Uh, we know through going to the church project that you came to Christ at 14 and we know the impact has been broader than just yourself. It's been your family as well. There's something that's happened in the life of your family spiritually that is very exciting. Can you just tell us about your brothers and sisters? Uh, thank you. Uh, as I said, uh, we used to go uh, every month. Our caregivers would just go to the project and get um, the food or basic needs that we used to get from the project. Uh, one of those people were my auntie because they were all the people who just go and take the uh, the provision, the things that we get, you used to get from the project. So she came to know Christ through going to Compassion project, uh, the church, uh, because before they give things, they first preach the gospel. So it's also uh, the way of spreading the good news of salvation. And now today, all of my, my family members, we are saved. We are serving the Lord in, back home in our church. And we, we are testifying how God has been faithful. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? It's it's not just a ministry to the child, it's a ministry to the family. And, and we, 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 the story that Christine has just shared with us um, about her whole family coming to Christ is not unusual. It's not unusual. For every child that comes to Christ through a compassion program, uh, we, we track these things. At least four family members come to Christ. And those family members grow up and have children and raise their children in Christian households. And so Christine's, Christine's talked about uh, the spiritual impact generation to generation to generation. That's God's good blessing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now, Christine, you've talked about um, where you were, what's happening for you now. The question is the future. And Christine was very modest before. She said she was selected to be part of the leadership program Three out of 300 children who applied for the leadership development program, five were chosen. Wow. Five. 
very modest. <laughs> um, but Christine, um, where to from here? What's the future? Thank you. Uh, now, uh, when I go back home, I'll be starting my master's in project management. And I'll, some later, we'll do my master's also in international relations and human rights. And I have a dream that I'll be part of diplomat and I'll be ambassador. So that's the way forward. Thank you. And she'll do it. And we, we've made Christine promise that she will actually be uh, the diplomat for Rwanda here in Australia. <laughs> That's the promise, and we're going to hold her to it. Uh, please, please thank Christine. <laughs> we, we've talked this morning a lot about hope. Uh, we, we've talked about a hope that's more powerful than the impacts of poverty. And the reality is that poverty robs people of hope. Now, now when we think about hope, we, we think of lots of different things, but we know, we know hope is a positive thing. It motivates us to do things that I guess are unexpected, uh, things that we reach to and stretch to. So you can see from the picture up here, I can climb that cliff. I, I know. I know I can do it. I have a hope that I can conquer that cliff. I have a hope that I can conquer my studies or my, my weaknesses. And we know that it motivates us. And in Australia, we're, we're familiar with the idea of hope, aren't we? we? We have a positive expectation, mostly in our lives, that my life will go forward well and it will improve and, and we'll be further along by the end of our lives than we were at the beginning of our lives. And we have those hopes and expectations for our kids as well and our grandkids. And we're, we're hopeful of a future because we live in a place where hopes get realised, physical hopes. But hope's also dangerous. I don't know if many of you recognise that character, yeah, his name in the movie, The Shawshank Redemption, is Red. Uh, and he's speaking to another bloke called Andy Dufresne. And at that moment, they're sitting across a table in a prison in the United States. And he says, hope is a very dangerous thing. It can drive a man insane. And hope is very dangerous when hope can't be realised. When you have no hope and no plan for the future, that leads you to a very different place. For, for lots of children living in poverty, the messages that they hear and accept about themselves are messages completely devoid of hope. It's the circumstance where a child isn't given food. They're not given access to education. They're not given the basic medicines they need to survive pre preventable diseases. And when a child is, has those things withheld, either willfully or through the circumstance, 
it says something to the child. It says, you're not worth anything. We don't care enough about you to give you the food that you need. We don't care enough about you to ensure that you get the medicine or the education you need to have a future. And that speaks into a child's heart. It says to that child, you're not worth it. You have no value. You have no place in our community at all. That's devastating. It's devastating for a child. Because a child, hearing those voices, hearing those words, seeing that lack of action, believes that about themselves. And they believe they have no value. And they believe they have no worth. And so rather than hope, they have despair. But that's not a truth. That's not a truth at all. Because we have a God who sees us very differently to that. We have a God that says, you are valuable. You're mine. You're my child. I love you. I fashioned you in my own image. I love you so much that I didn't even hold back my own son from you. That's how much I love you. That's how much I value you. So for a child living in poverty who doesn't hear voices of hope into their lives, as we've heard this morning, steps God through his church. That's the voice of God. Christian brothers and sisters reaching into the lives of children and their families, saying, you are loved. You are valuable. You are cared for. And giving those children hope. But not just hope of a better future on earth. Not just hope of a meal. Not just hope of medicine. Not just hope of an education. But actually something far more valuable. Far deeper and far richer. A living hope. A hope in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you know, if you remember the Apostle Peter. You remember him? He's a crazy guy. <laughs> like, he's the crazy apostle. If any of the apostles are crazy, he was the crazy one. He's, he's jumping out of boats, chasing after Jesus across the water. Okay, He's the one that on the night that Jesus was sentenced to be crucified said, I'll be with you, Jesus, all the way. I'm coming with you no matter what happens. And just a few hours later, we know he denied Jesus three times. But after Jesus' resurrection, we also know that Jesus restored him and built his church on Peter. Peter was a transformed man. And we know that because the Gospels tell us that and we also see that in what Peter writes. So he wrote a few letters, as you know. Um, here's, here's one that he wrote. So this is, this is his first letter. And he talks, he's talking about hope. And this is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's, that's a lot of things you said there. <laughs> a lot of things. I'm just going to look at two of them. Let's just look at the first one. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus proved that he can give us a living hope when he rose from the dead. And it's a living hope because it's a hope in somebody who's living. And it endures and it goes on and on not just for our lives here on earth, but forever. And what do we, we get in this living hope? We can see in the next slide, we get an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or never fade. And it's an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. What a promise. What an amazing promise of a living hope that we have. And can you imagine for a child who is being told you are not of any value? You are not of any worth. You have there's no reason for you to hope for the future. We have a God who is saying, I've got an inheritance for you that's never going to spoil and it's never going to fade away. These kids know about spoiled life. They know about broken promises. They know about dirt and lack and suffering. And God is telling them a different message to that. And he's doing that through his church. And he's bringing a hope to these children that is a rich hope. So he breaks through the brokenness of despair. And he brings love and mercy and peace and real life to these kids. We've heard it this morning. You've heard the transformation in Christine's life as she looks up to heaven and sees a God who loves her. Now, as Christine said, there are two million children around the world who are part of Compassion's programs. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. We're so thankful to God that his church is reaching into the lives of two million children. But you know what? There's 400 million children living below the poverty line around the world. So we, we work with two million children, but 400 million children. The need is great. And the church of God has a big work to do. As we see the work that's going on in Madan through the two churches that um, Real Life supports, what those churches are being is the hands and feet of Jesus to those children and their communities. Hands and feet, they, they know them, they love them, they care about those kids um, and they're doing wonderful things. Do you know we're part of the same body of Christ? So they're the hands and the feet, but we're part of the same body of Christ. We're not the hands and the feet. 
Well, some of us might be. Some of us may be called to go to Madan or somewhere else in the world. But we're not the hands and feet, but we're part of the same body. We have a different role to play. We have a different purpose, a different task in the body of Christ. Now, we look around ourselves and we know that God has provided for us materially, don't we? He's given us so much. He's been so generous to us. We live in Australia. We have homes. We have cars. We have food. We have education. We have access to medicine. And we kind of take those things for granted. I don't know if you ever ask yourself, why... Why has God provided me with those things? Why has God provided me with those things? It's not, I hate to tell you, it's not because you're special. It's not because I'm special. It's not because somehow we're more deserving or worthy of those material things. God has been generous to us for one reason so that we can be generous so that we can honour him by reflecting his generosity that's why he's been generous to us he's given us much and so much is required that's a challenge isn't it it's a challenge for us to say, well, God, am I squandering all that you've given me? Am I somehow holding that to myself and keeping it for myself when actually you gave it to me not for the purpose of myself but the purpose of sharing it? At the beginning of the service, Lottie read 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 which said that God did not even hold back his own son. The next verse to that says, you as children of God are to be the same. That's how we know that we're children of God. We reflect God's character, his generosity. He didn't hold back his son. He gave his whole life for us. He calls us to do the same. That's our sign that we are his children. Now, we, we want to be generous. We want to keep giving. You guys have already been wonderfully generous here at Real Life by supporting so many children in the Madan area. We've brought more kids along today, of course, because we want to grow that influence. We want to grow the number of children who can be supported. You can see here, here are, here are some photos of eight children that we've brought along with us today. They're all from the projects or the churches in the Madan area, the two churches that you guys support. Now, do you know the reason we brought eight and only eight? It's not because we think you guys, oh, real life could only handle sponsoring eight children. It's not that at all. We ran out of kids. How good is that? We, we actually ran out of children from the two projects that you support. That's awesome. In a way, <laughs> in a way it's awesome because 
there are other churches down the road and around the corner in Madan who do have children who still need sponsorship. So Lottie and I are talking about how we can actually expand the influence and the connection uh, for real life in Madan. So this, this is what I would love to ask you to consider this morning and challenge you with this morning. These eight children, we want to get them sponsored. We want to find sponsors for them this morning. We want to be able to contact them tomorrow and say, you've got a sponsor. You've got a sponsor. You've got someone who loves you. You've got someone who's going to write to you and speak words of truth into your life and provide the physical things that you need as well as the spiritual things that you need. But actually, we want to go further than that. We, we want to clear the table, but we also then want to go further and have you say, if you arrive at that table and there's no kids left and you, God has put it on your heart to sponsor children, we'll take your name. We'll find, we'll find a child for you. Whether it's a boy or whether it's a girl, whether it's a particular age, we'll find a child for you to sponsor so that you can begin that, that role of spiritual adoption with them. Look, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we've had this morning to share with you, uh, to hear Christine's story, but most importantly to hear what God has done and is doing and will continue to do through his church, bringing hope and a hope that's more powerful than poverty. Thank you. He'll get here eventually. <laughs> thank you, Bruce, and thank you, Christine, for sharing your story with us this morning. Church, we can do that, can't we? Eight children? Surely. I know we can, and, um, and beyond that. So these guys are going to be in the foyer. Sorry? One's already gone. That's very, very sneaky. <laughs> seven children. But um, seriously, if we'll sponsor those seven kids, and then if you want to sponsor a kid today, we can... You can sponsor them anywhere in the world. I'm sure Compassion won't mind, and I won't mind. But if you want to sponsor someone in Madan in that project, then, then put your name down for that interest because we're going to talk to Compassion about what's next. If we've exhausted the need in the two projects, well, then we'll look for a third. You know, when I was in Madan last year visiting the two projects, I actually discovered that when I was there, one of the Compassion kids that we sponsor lives like half an hour away in that area. I was like, I discovered this the night before I was flying home, so it was a little bit too late to do anything about it. But um, I'm keen that next time we go, that I'll go and meet my sponsor child in Madan, and who knows what might happen even with that little connection and project that's already in place before I knew what was going on. So that's kind of cool, isn't it? Very good. Well, what do we need to tell you? We're going to wrap up our service now. Can the creative team Join me, otherwise it'll be a train wreck if I try and close the service with a song. Next um, Sunday at Count Me In, I forgot to, I, f I remembered what I forgot earlier. I forgot to welcome home the Vanuatu team who have been in Vanuatu <laughs> doing a building project. 
The building project in Vanuatu is part of that Count Me In thing that we talked about and we're going to hear from some of them next week in Count Me In Sunday as some of the stuff that's already happened but then also sharing where we go in the future. Compassion is one of our partners that we've said, hey, as a church, this is something that we want to be a part of and the practical way of being involved is by sponsoring a child today. Next year, we will take a team to visit our projects again in Madame. We're looking around September some stage. So if that is something that's interest to you, then you can come and see us and we'll talk to you about that. Don't forget to pick up your kids. There's coffee in the foyer. We're going to go out with a song. There is prayer down the front if you want prayer for anything, if you want healing in your body, if you need prayer. Our ministry team are ready and waiting to pray with you. So stand to your feet. Go out singing. Have a great Sunday. And church, let's be generous as we leave this place today. Thank you, team.